Hello, this is Jeff Vanderstelt, Executive Director of Saturate and the host of the Saturate podcast. Saturate exists to serve and equip leaders to start and strengthen unified gospel city movements that lead to gospel saturation. To the end that every man, woman, and child has repeated opportunities to meet Jesus through his church on mission everywhere and every day. We believe this is going to require, like Jesus prayed in John 17, that the church is united and collaborating together around five key initiatives in the city. One is citywide prayer, leader health, disciple-making strategies, serving the city, and starting new churches and new kingdom initiatives. Presently, we've been spending some time on the initiative of disciple-making strategies. And more specifically, today we're going to get to interact with uh, my new friend and co-worker, Doug Paul, who is managing partner of Catapult. He's an innovation strategist, and he's the author of the book, Ready or Not, Kingdom Innovation for a Brave New World, which I had the privilege of endorsing, and I highly recommend you read. So, Doug, tell us, man, a little bit about yourself and the work you're doing with Catapult. Well, first of all, Jeff, thanks for having me. But second of all, thanks for endorsing it. <laughs> yeah, it was an easy endorsement, man. Like I, It's funny because I amassed to endorse books, and I think I even told you this, that I never ever endorse a book unless I absolutely like read the whole thing and really agree with it. And I mean, I, obviously there's books that I might disagree a little bit on, but I've, I'll never endorse a book I haven't read and, and really do truly want people to read. And your book was one of them. It's funny because you were literally the only person that said that, which is, <laughs> so when you when you wrote that back, I was like, ah, crap, man. I hope, uh, <laughs> I hope this works out in my favor. It did, but uh, that was, that it, it, actually, was meant, so good. it actually meant a lot when you endorsed it. As opposed yeah. to all these other schmoes who did, but <laughs> you know, maybe they read it, maybe yeah. they flipped through it. Who can say? Um, yeah. Well, I read every word, and it spurred me on. It 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 kind of catalyzed my creativity. It was just really good, man. I really, uh, thank you. really do affirm it. So yeah, so I I work with Catapult, uh, one of the managing partners there, with a man named Todd Milby, who you you also know really well. And we get to work with a lot of uh, churches and nonprofits, networks, denominations, um, and are just trying to help them build healthy ministries that can scale. And yeah, I think, I mean, you know, scaling is a word that lots of people use these days. And I think we're trying to use it in a way that's like, how do we help something reach its ultimate potential? Um, in the sense of God has called it to do something, they're joining God in what he's doing what does it look like to really live fully into what that thing was created to be? So it's a lot of fun. Get to do a lot of different work every single day. Almost no day looks the same and get to work with some really great leaders around the world. Yeah, that's good work. I, I, I love I love the posture you guys take and maybe the, some of our listeners don't know, but I'm now a part of the team as well with Catapult. And so the posture we get to take is yeah. just a service product. Pro- you know, posture to say, Hey, how, how do we serve the church? How do we serve nonprofits and, uh, really be under the deck in the process, like kind of like an aircraft carrier and that, that mechanism that's under the deck that nobody knows about, but is remarkably powerful and, uh, integrated into the whole system. And just the desire of catapult is to just be under the deck to really not necessarily be known or seen, but to make sure whatever we're launching, whatever we're helping to come alongside of, uh, has the best uh, possible success that, that it could ever have as a ministry and really re- realize it's God-given potential. So it's a joy for me to serve with you guys as well. And the work uh, we get to do has been a real privilege. 
tell us before we go any further, like you're married, right? You have some kiddos. I do. I do have a, a little gaggle. Um, <laughs> gaggle. <laughs> yeah. So I am married uh, to a woman named Elizabeth. Uh, we live in Richmond, Virginia. We have three kids, uh, 13, almost 12, and a son that just turned nine. And then we have a giant Great Dane um, who at any point might try to like barrel through this door over here. We'll see how that goes. As if you needed another to take care of. I know. Well... <laughs> We, we actually had an incident. I was gone last week. Um, and my wife, we, we recently moved and we had to get a new rug. And my wife had been eyeing this rug for like five years and she finally pulled the trigger and bought it. And in the 30 hours that I was gone, my Great Dane urinated on this brand new white oh, rug. Oh, no. Um, oh, God. And you know, I'm to blame for this. It's, um, it's my dog and... I was not here to prevent him with my mm. body from urinating on that rug. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. The I didn't know of about course that. Is that. He's a great Dane and he has a large bladder. Oh my goodness. Oh, anyway. that's terrible. <laughs> so yeah, home life is great. We're just living it up over here at the Paul household. Mm. Well, I, I'm excited to have you on for this episode as we've been talking about disciple making strategies and you, you have a lot of experience in that personally. And then also, you get to just sit in a very unique seat when you get to sit in with church leaders, helping them think through their present situation and the work that is needed to be done or adjusted uh, in order to become more and more effective at disciple making. That is the big idea. Like that is the whole mission Jesus gave us. And so it's pretty important that we get moderately that one right. So. Yeah. Moderately important. <laughs> oh man. It's amazing though. As you and I both know, the number of times when we are talking with church leaders. We say, what's the biggest struggle you have? And it's almost always around. We just don't know how to make disciples who can make disciples. And I guess I want to throw that at you as you've been, as you've been spending time with leaders and churches, what would you say is the greatest challenge around that whole idea of making disciples who can make disciples in churches? I mean, there, there are lots of them. Um, There are many of them. I, I think Maybe, maybe two, at least today, are, are coming to mind. I think, I think the first one is it's really hard to disentangle ourselves as leaders from what we grew up in um, or what we've been leading out for, for a lot of leaders for decades at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think, so I think one of the things is that we're using, we're using like a method or vehicle for like the bucket of discipleship that wasn't actually built to make disciples. Mm. Um, so like when you look at, when, when you look at like the predominant thing that people use at small groups, I mean, it's, it's well, well above 70% of churches in the United States at this point are using small groups of, in some kind of shape or fashion. But small groups weren't actually built for discipleship. Um, and like why you start something really, really matters. And when you like get under the hood of like the history of small groups and where they came from, they were started to be, they were a retention strategy. Yeah, um, yeah. Like what churches in the late eighties and nineties were finding was that um, as they were growing, if they could not connect people relationally, they, they would leave within 18 to 24 months um, because people want to be connected relationally. And so small groups were started as relational flypaper. Yeah, um, that that that's what they do, and so like when you're evaluating, do small groups work or not? You really have to evaluate, like, what were they designed to do? And actually, I think small groups are wildly successful at 
connecting people relationally. They just suck at helping people grow spiritually because that's yeah. not what they were built for. And, I, and in some ways, I feel like they've become the kitchen sink, right? Like, it's like, well, we're going to have, we're not just going to do relationships now. It's going to be um, mission two. And then we're going to say like, and leader development and apprenticeship and discipleship and, and like, and, and, and we just throw all this stuff on top and they're just not a vehicle that was built for that. Yeah. So I don't know. I think that's, that's a big one. I come back to that one a lot. Um, I think another one that like just challenges that churches have where we're not, we're just not conditioned to think this way is that we're really good at telling people to do something, but we're really sucky at showing them how. Mm, Um, so we can tell people like, Hey, you should pray every day, which like we should, we should pray every day, but prayer is really odd. Like it's a, like, it's super weird. And like in France, prayer is labeled as schizophrenia because like you're talking to an inanimate object and you believe this thing is talking back to you. Yeah. That's really strange if you didn't grow up in it. Mm. And the idea of like reading the Bible sounds completely normal unless you didn't grow up in it. And then like you're, you're to the 18th chapter of the first book and it looks like God is really cool with rape and incest. Um, so we've got to, the how thing is really, really, really important. Like I get real, this is a personal soapbox where like I get really frustrated when we keep telling people from the pulpit to do stuff, but we are, we seem unwilling to show them how to do it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was, <clears throat> that was one of the things that I discovered as we started uh, SOMA way back, you know, in 2003 uh, was that uh, the the best way to equip people was not going to be by telling them what to do, but by showing them how to do it and doing it with them. And, you know, in, uh, in other uh, podcasts, we've, we've talked a little bit about the deeper acronym in terms of it. it's got to be demonstrated and explained. Yeah. It's also got to be experienced and then practiced, which then exposes what we do and do not know and can and cannot do. And then the last R is like, let's reflect on that so people can process it, talk through it. And then as they reflect, hopefully reproduce it somewhere else as they practice it enough. And uh, whatever acronym you might use, people have, you know, other words that you use. I know you guys have even developed one that's shorter um, than that. But the thing that I've seen over and over again is if you don't give them a way to see it, to hear it, to practice it, to do it over and over again, and then help someone else do it, we're really not training. We're just we're just telling. Yeah. And telling someone is different than training somebody. It is. And I, 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 there's a sneaky little passage in the gospels where I, and I love, like, clearly the disciples have been hanging around John the Baptist disciples because they go to Jesus and they're like, Hey, could you teach us to pray? Cause John is teaching his disciples to pray. Right. <laughs> um, I, I think that's just fascinating that they're like, it's a how question. Yep. They're like, he, they've learned to do something. Can you show us how to do it, how you would do it? Like, that's fascinating. It is. It is. And, and even, that's where the Lord's Prayer comes from. Absolutely. And even if you just, you, even if leaders were to say, how often are people asking the how question? Because that, that, that has a built-in implication that if they're asking the how question, then they know that you know they want to and it's expected yeah. that they will do something, not just hear about it. Yeah. Well, so, so you're working obviously with churches all the time. Um, 
And obviously one of your, one of the big emphases that you're talking about and we're talking about in this podcast is discipleship strategies. Like what are you seeing in terms of challenges that churches are facing right now when it comes to disciple making? Yeah, well, I think many of them don't even have a definition of disciple. And so it's, it's hard to know if you're, if you're actually making something, if you don't even define what the something is. So many of them have zero definition uh, so that's that's really problematic. And then second, they don't have a pathway. They don't have a clearly laid out plan or strategy that takes somebody from not yet believer to believer to established believer to being able to equip others to do the very same works as a missionary sent in everyday life. And so I think those two are two of the most obvious. And then what we've learned along the way is even if you give give them that, it's back to what we just said. If they don't see it somewhere, if they don't, if they can't like identify what it really looks like when it's happening, then they it still stays in kind of this this ethereal realm, you know. Uh, and so we learned early on at Soma when we were training leaders that uh, they couldn't just come to a training, like they couldn't come to a Sunday gathering or to a, one of our trainings. They actually had to experience a much more immersive, yeah. uh, opportunity where they would come live with us for a week and. You know, that not everybody can do that, but I think you do need a lot more time with people to be able to work out what it is they 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 are saying. Because <laughs> people say something and they mean something totally different. So you need enough time with people to uh, be immersed in relationship and immersed into actual um, exposure to the concepts and the ideas and even get to kind of taste and feel it themselves as it happens to them before they can go reproduce it somewhere else. So that would be the immersive experience is probably one of the most important things that I would say we all have got to get ourselves into somewhere to kind of really embrace this. Yeah. And I, I don't know, maybe I'm feeling cranky today. Um, <laughs> you cranky a lot, man. What are you talking about? All right. That's <laughs> sorry. Mean. It's like my that general disposition. That then. was mean. That no, you just, you just like to find how we can do something better. Let's say it that way. Thank you, Jeff. Um, it's optimistic criticism. <laughs> I am. It's polishing. There you we go. Can, we can call it lots of different things. <laughs> I, I I just think um, I want us to like rethink about like what our expectations of what normal should be. Hmm. I mean, I feel like half the time where we get anyone who has any kind of like spiritual maturity. And we just think it's the greatest thing since sliced bread because it never happens. Um, and I just, I have to think that perhaps we've like lowered the bar just to, just to match the results we're getting. Mm. Um, and if, if culture is whatever is normal for a group of people, like have we gotten to a place where we just like within the church as a culture, we just, we're just accepting like normal in a way that, doesn't really approach what it is that we see as an expectation of what a life transformed by Jesus could look like in the New Testament. Yeah. As you say that, I'd say that was one of the things that we we did right when we started SOMAS. We just said, we expect that it's it, it, it will be normal if you're part of SOMA to be a disciple-making disciple. That is that is the norm. Like That, that yeah. is the bar. That's not even like high bar. That's like that's what it means to follow Jesus is that we're disciples who make disciples in everyday life. That that's not even high, That we might be at different degrees of effectiveness, but that the normal expectation is we all embrace that. 
Yeah, it's like it's like calling yourself a parent but not having any children. Yeah. It's like, wait, no, no, no. Like the definition of the thing at the very minimum level involves like having children. Yeah. Um, now there's also raising them. And then there, I mean, like there's all the other stuff that goes into parenting, but at a minimum, it's just bearing children. That's right. Is the, is the starting point for the definition of what a parent is. And I think, yeah, I think we, this is why we got into it though. Like I, I really think pastors and leaders got into this ministry game because they wanted to see people's lives change. And like, at some point it feels like we got sucked into the machine of the church Mm-hmm. And yeah. I got I got suckered into running the machine. It's like no one, no, that is not what I wanted. Like I want to see people's lives change, and them to, to see the joy and experience the joy of the, the spirit using them as other people's lives are being changed too. That's that's the language I love about like when I got to interact with Brian and Rob from Kansas City Underground. They just said, you know, we don't we plant the gospel, we make disciples. And when we made disciples, meaning people came to faith in Jesus and then started to be developed to be disciple makers. Now we, now we see a church emerged. And too often, even the church playing language is we gathered a bunch of Christians, we found a building, we figured out what we're going to do for music, children's ministry and preaching. And once we got that and we launched quote unquote, a Sunday service, now we planted a church. It's like, you could have not made any disciples and called it a church plant. It's just yeah. not what Jesus meant. It's not what the the Acts account tells us. Uh, it's just it's somehow we lost the plot of what we're really called to do here. Yeah, I'll tell you what. This is going to be less cynical and less uh, less curmudgeonly. I think, and this is what I love about like the work that you're doing, um, and that people like Brian and Rob are doing as well. I think the prophets in this generation are going to be the reconstructionists. Mm. It's not going to be the deconstructionists. It's not going to be the people who are constantly talking about what sucks and what doesn't work and this thing. It's going to be the people who are actually the real prophets are the ones who are putting the stones back together. Absolutely. In the church. And so that's what that's what what you did with soma and what you're continuing to do with them and now with saturate and with other folks is is prophetic because it's actually trying to do the work yeah as opposed to just deconstructing like this is why the system sucks like there is a need for that i just think we know the system sucks let, let's get some models of what's working like pe- we need the people to put the hand to the plow on that thing that's right yeah and I'm, and i mean i love the church right i love yeah. jesus and i love his bride and i care about her and I'm devoting my life not to tear her down, but to build her up. And so, I mean, that that's a good segue even to, into just some of the work we're getting to do together. You know, I, I if anyone's listening, I just, you know, we, we're forming a new partnership, Saturate and Catapult together to really ask this question, how can we be even more proactive in building immersive solutions for the for churches that really want to keep growing and become more effective in disciple making uh strategies and building disciple making pathways and so one of those offerings that we're uh, going to be making available real soon here is the saturate disciple making lab and that really that's not saturate's origin idea this is something that came out of uh, something doug and and the team at catapult had built and we're really just uniquely putting some of the content and branding of Saturate in terms of bringing our DNA into something they've already designed. So Doug, why don't you share a little bit more about what this disciple making lab is? Yeah, I mean it's in some ways it's it's it came out of 
a really frustrating experience <laughs> that I had mm. that kept happening for the better part of a decade. Where like we had um, in my local church uh, in like when we when we church planted, we'd come up with a method for disciple making that was. I mean, it really went like it got to like seven generations and beyond. Um, and was, it, it was a beautiful thing that I think we just stumbled upon. We were certainly not smart enough to figure it out. And so we started training other churches to do that, that particular thing. Um, and the thing that we just kept seeing, and, and then we kind of like went into a different nonprofit, longer story. The thing that we kept seeing was, when we were training churches in a method, it was it, what we were attempting to do was to like almost, it was like a, an organ transplant. Um, and the problem with a lot of the, the organs that we were bringing in is it just didn't have enough of that church's DNA. Hmm. And so oftentimes the, the, the church would reject the organ. Um, not because the organ was bad or because the church was bad. It just, there wasn't enough DNA overlay and so we started to develop a process where a church could create their own discipleship model that was built on their DNA. So like their mission, their values, their theology, their doctrine, yada, yada. Um, so that it would look like them, smell like them, breathe like them. But it would be built on deep personal transformation of the disciple and rapid reproduction of disciples who are disciple makers um, that would that would just feel like who those, that, that church was and, and actually be them. And so that's kind of where the disciple making lab came from. It was from a place of what felt quite frankly, like failure. Um, and just trying mm. to learn the lessons of like, this works sometimes, but not enough of the time. And I have less and less confidence in working with churches with something that doesn't feel like it might work or not. Yeah. That, you know, it's interesting because we found the same thing to have people would come and learn from us try to implement missional communities in their context. The problem, however, is that they might have learned from us in Tacoma, and then they're trying to take what worked uniquely in Tacoma and apply it in another yeah. city with a very different context and, and even different leadership. And we saw the same thing happen over and over again. And as much as I still believe uh, the idea or concept of a missional community is a very effective way to create space for disciple-making to happen, uh, if it doesn't uniquely fit the context and the, the leaders who lead it, then it really is going to be like a, a faulty organ transplant for yeah. sure. So we've, we've, we've thought a lot about what are like paradigms, principles, and practices. So paradigm is God's primary way for changing the world is through disciples who make disciples. Not the only way, but like one of the primary ways when we look at the Great Commission. So that's our paradigm. The principles of how that happened, if we read the New Testament, there are universals that can work for all places, all spaces, for all time. But the practices of those principles are infinite. Mm. Like what worked in Tacoma circa 2011, it might work in Richmond, Virginia, where I'm at in 2022. It might not. But like what we wanted to do is like, hey, let's look at the principles for disciple making. And then let's marry those things with the things that are most convictionally important to you as a church and your context. And say, like, now what would the practice of that principle look like? And I think that's that's just been electric. It's I mean, like, I just have a blast with our team. And I mean, we, we've been able to do one of those together um, a couple of months ago. And it's just, I don't know, 
it lights me up. I love doing that kind of work. So you've taken a few churches through that process, right? Yeah, this we've done uh, at this point we've done five cohorts. Uh, so the, the first one started in 2017. Okay. Um, and I mean, it was a you know you're, you're learning as you go. It's much better now than it was in 2017. We're all we're all iterating as we go. And how many churches do you usually have in a cohort? Uh, we'll usually do six to eight. I, we, we try not to do any more than eight. And then every once in a while, there will be a, a church that maybe, I don't know, for size or complexity, we'll do something one-on-one with them as opposed to the cohort. But I really like the group learning that happens in the cohort and how different churches are seeing the development of something that is oftentimes really different from what they're doing. Now, how long do these cohorts go for? They go for a year. Okay. So we'll do a like a two-day in-person kickoff, then everything's online, and then a six-month mark, we get back together for two days in person and then finish it out online. Cool. Yeah, this is what that's what we're gonna be get, getting to do together. We're gonna be starting two different ones. Um well, you wanna tell tell the listeners a little bit more about them? Yeah, I mean we're gonna I think we're gonna be kicking off uh, our first joint one. It's in January. I should do you have the dates right? Yeah, right in yeah, January seventeenth through the nineteenth. It's going to be in Greenville, in fact. Yeah, in Greenville, South Carolina, and then we've got another one that's going to be happening in May, where we will get to be visiting the um, the dark and rainy shores of the Seattle. Beautiful green city. That's of right. Seattle, May 9th through the eleventh. Yeah, is when we're looking at doing that. So yeah, two separate tracks uh, with a saturate and catapult coming together to do these disciple making labs and what i love about it and this will be my first time doing with with you guys um and so uh, i'm excited just to learn along the way and also bring my unique uh, perspective and thought leadership into it but um what i do love about it is it includes two separate immersive experiences in those cities So, so two in seattle two in greenville um so we got some West Coast opportunity and East Coast opportunity. And for those of you who want to go one way or the other from the middle to pick your city, uh, but it's going to be... Everyone's picking Seattle. Everyone's we know picking it. Seattle. <laughs> it's not really an option. Like, I would. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But it's going to be really fun to do it together. And it's not just you and I. We'll have some of the other Catapult team and... Uh, what, what I love about the, cause I've gotten to experience some of it. And what I, what I loved about the time I had with the churches that were in that context is the extended time you get together, the opportunity just to help their team really think through their problems and solve it together. And, and it's not just a leader that comes, but up to five leaders from each church get to be a part of it and really learn together, grow together. And like, anybody who's listening knows when you go to a conference or a training by yourself and you come back and try to bring it home, it just never, it never works. Like you really need to be together learning, uh, consistently. And so it'll have these two immersive opportunities, but then also monthly, um, coaching times together. Yeah, there's so. these, these really great work sessions. Cause you're actually, you're building something and then yeah. right at the six or seven month mark, you put it into the water. And so you're putting a beta of what you've built into the water and then you're iterating on it and adapting it and tweaking it until it works. Because just because you put it in the water doesn't mean that thing won't sink. That's right. Yeah. Um, and half the time it does. And that's fine. It's just like, well, before we scale something for the whole freaking church, why don't we just make sure this thing works first? 
I love um, that. Yeah, and then, it's wise, so it's, man. Yeah, so when we call it a lab, it's an actual lab. You are building something. Things might explode. You've got a safety net. We're going to iterate. And then we actually are going to help you think through, now what would it look like to integrate this and scale this for your church? Oh, man. I'm so excited that we're going to get to do this because I know there's so many churches that need this exact kind of help right now. So, I mean, especially on the other side of COVID. I mean, everyone's trying to figure oh. out how do we do this now in this new reality. So I'm really excited that we're going to get to serve churches in this way. Yeah. In fact, we're going to give a little taste of it, right? Um little a, a digital version of it yeah can i can i make a, a quick little promo push on this please I mean, we're doing do this together. yeah yeah we've yeah. got a workshop that's coming up in a week or two yeah october 6th. and yeah and it's i mean it's three hours it's an actual workshop it's not just me and jeff talking at you um what we and, and it's a little it's not just a just a taste of like what that lab will be like but we really want to think through discipleship and disciple making well for where you're at at a church level. And so it's going to help you assess like where you're at, um, why you might be stuck. Like what are the, what are some of the forces that are at work? I don't just mean like demonic forces, but I mean like what are some of the, the anthropological or sociological forces that are at work for where, where you're at, where you really are going to, I think, pull back the curtain on some of that in some interesting ways, but then also help you develop a path forward. What would it look like to actually get some wins and that disciple-making category for your church. Because I do think in COVID, uh, I think the lights got turned on a bit. And I think people are like, oh, crap. Like, this is, this is, I didn't think this was going well, but it is not going well. Um, my people may or may not look like Jesus <laughs> and may or may not be committed to growing. So I, I think this is, the workshop is designed not just to help you assess where you're at, but like even dream a little bit about where you could be and give you some practical next steps. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to serve churches really well. Uh, in fact, if you want more information about that, you can, you, you could do a couple things. You could email us hello at saturate the world.com or just go to saturate the world.com and there'll be offerings there. Um, we're going to be making it known through all the different channels that you're probably following already. So uh, October 6th, don't miss that. That'll be a great opportunity. It's a three-hour uh, experience, right? It is, but I promise you it will not feel like three hours. You are not, yeah. it's, you're going to be doing stuff. It's not just the talking head at you. Yeah, you'll walk away with some actual work yeah. being done that will serve yeah. your church. So, Doug, if they wanted to know more about Catapult, and the work you're doing, where would you recommend they go? Yeah, just go to wearecatapult.org. All right. Um, and so, I mean, like everyone, we've got some free resources. You can download them. Uh, we've got some really good articles that, or at least I think they're good. Um, but yeah, you can see some of the different things that we're up to and find some stories of breakthrough of uh, different churches or organizations we're working with. Great, great. So if, if, we can serve you. We want to. Uh, it would be great. Either you join us on October 6th for the digital workshop. Uh, consider being a part of one of these disciple-making labs that are going to begin in January and May, Greenville and Seattle. Uh, and then I uh, also want to just let you know that if you're listening and you want to try a membership, two-week free membership with Saturate, uh, get all of our resources, unlimited access to videos and pdfs and group studies and curriculum and ebooks you name it 
week can offer you a two-week free membership just if you go uh, to sajitetheworld.com and sign up and use the this code, all lowercase podcast 2022. So podcast 2022, all word, one word, lowercase, no spaces. And uh, yeah, join us, man. What's that code once more, Jeff? Podcast 2022. And it's all lowercase. All lowercase, no spaces. Yes. Take advantage of it. It's free, man. Give it to all your friends. (laughs) But yeah, we'd love to. Doug and I would love it if you would join us uh, for the digital uh, workshop on October 6th. And there are going to be some of you listening that you know your church needs the full journey uh, for a year as we really help you build uh, your pathway, your your plan for disciple making in, in your church. So, Doug, man, thanks for being with us. Uh, I'm looking forward to having you on uh, more more uh, future episodes because I think uh, you and I could talk a lot about what we've been learning and looking forward to sharing I'm, more I'm with I'm happy others. to bring my curmudgeonly presence on here whenever <laughs> you would like. He's actually a really nice guy. You would like hanging out with him. Don't let, let him tell you that. So, thanks again. Yeah, thank you for having me.